Before we get started, a word from 3BR, proud sponsor of the Review Podcast Network. The guys and gals over at 3BR Distillery are talented creators and purveyors of unusual craft spirits made in their kitschy Slavic punk-style tasting room in Keyport, New Jersey. 3BR's unique Gorovka spirit made from peas is a homage to their family recipe secretly distilled in the USSR. Experience craft cocktails made with Slavic-inspired ingredients in-house over at 3BR Distillery, located at 7 Main Street, Keyport, New Jersey. Whatever the fuck we're calling this podcast right now. You know what? We're going through a little bit of a identity crisis. We're in a state (laughs) of transition. We're being very current right now. Yeah. Um, And our pronouns are podcast. Oh my god! Our pronouns are pod and cast. So that's a <laughs> is that the new name? Yeah, right. we'll put it on. The, we'll put it on the whiteboard. Yeah, I was gonna say that's gonna piss, that's gonna piss somebody off. Like somebody won't get the our joke. Our pronouns but are pod and cast. Yeah, the uh, the podcast formerly known as Ready Set Review. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Will, and we are uh, back from a little bit of an extended break. Uh, it's been summer. We've been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, just summery things. But yes. most importantly, what we've been also doing is seeing a lot a of movies. Ton of movies. We've got like eight to go through, not all in one episode. Don't yes. worry. But uh, we're gonna start with what's uh, most topical, I guess, right now. Um, Barbie and Oppenheimer, or yes. Barbenheimer for short. I, I, how this? It's so weird how certain things become a thing, right? Like two completely different studios. I don't even know which studio is which. Honestly, I think it was, it was Warner Brothers. One? I think Warner Brothers might be Barbie and universal might be, yeah, I don't Nolan, know, but yeah, I'm saying knows? like, but then someone's like, Oh my God, like it's so like, let's make this a thing. Right. And it really took off. But, and it's so weird. Cause like part of me is like how I view Hollywood. Everything's like staged. I feel like because of the writer's strike, and the uh, the SAG strike, they can't do any promotion. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how like, oh, right when this happens that they can't do promotions, quote unquote, social media, like was able to take it and like almost promote the movie itself without the actors doing shit. It's just very convenient. That's yeah, this is like this to me is like what the internet does best. Like this is what the or, internet. What, was I'm, made what I'm trying for. to say is, I feel like it might have been. Oh, you think it was like like a black book operation, like CIA? Yeah, USA. I don't think yeah. some 15 year old in Ohio was like <laughs> Barbenheimer, and it just like <laughs> happened to catch fire. Like I feel like there was like a very like. Oh, like let's make this a thing because yeah. we can't promote the movie at all. Right, the contrast of it is just hilarious. So I mean, so just so you'll see in the pictures when we do this episode, but uh, I am wearing my uh, now, now I, I become, am become death, the destroyer of worlds in, in Barbie type. Yes, which I got from this website online. Uh, this website online, a uh, place called WickedClothes.com. I love their shit. Uh, but we're also I've got pink lights in the studio right now. And to illustrate the contrast of Barbie and Oppenheimer, I'm I'm drinking a uh, pink pussy cocktail. That's what I'm calling it, um, and it's. Uh, blackberry, a white claw, which we thought was going to be pink. It wasn't. And then combined with a Cosmo uh, cocktail type of thing with some uh, gorgeous flowers. So, and I am yeah. drinking straight bourbon that I got oh from. Oh my God, he's such a man. Look at him. But the bourbon is from Japan, if you get the joke. Ouch. Um, <laughs> what? It's whiskey. Whatever. Same fucking thing, okay? Oh, my gosh. It is whiskey. Okay, you're right. It's whiskey. Mom, Dad, stop fighting. I'm having flashbacks of my childhood. God. Um, I feel like I should be, like, smoking a cigarette, too. Like, we're just in here, like, like really going through it. Um, So let's talk about, obviously, the... uh, you know, the the internet combined these two movies, but the movies themselves are obviously independent. We want to talk about first, Barbie or Oppenheimer? I guess Barbenheimer. Let's go with Barbie. So Do it. This movie, first of all, I have to say, some of the smartest marketing I've seen. Yep. Because they knew what movie they had, and they said, all right, let's try to figure out what we're going to do this. So we're going to say, all right, it's PG-13. So they knew they weren't going to get, like, a, the super young audience, right. which is okay. fine. And they said, we're going to make the trailer... Um, to be some kind of like bubblegum 
doesn't make any sense. Like, not saying that, like, didn't have any high stakes type of movie. And then just, I think they, they totally did that just to get asses in the seats. And then once the asses are in the seats, it's like, now we're going to hit you with the dose of reality and like punch you on the head with it. Yeah, I couldn't so agree fucking more. smart. Because it's like, yeah, because going into it, it's one of those movies where you, you can't really glean much from the trailer other than pink. Right, yes. you know, and it was and kind of, and they they did the few the few jokes they had, they threw them all in the trailer, right? So it seemed very like, oh, this movie's like mindless fun, exactly. Because that's what Barbie, at least for me, I mean, not that I really played with them, but Barbie's a fucking toy. So if you had told me like, hey, the Barbie movie's gonna be like some deep like you know conversation on femininity and patriarchy, I'd be like, oh, I don't think so. Yeah, because you know, because like when we were kids growing up, before people started to like have a real opinion about Barbie when she really was more or less just kind of like a doll. Um, it was you, you, that's what it was meant to be like fun. You dress her up and you change, you know, and And now there's different careers, right? Exactly. And now there's like, yeah, now there's a Barbie that has every single career and like every race imaginable, which is all great stuff. But like, yeah, even is there a wheelchair Barbie? There's gotta be right. Like I, I, there's gotta be, there has to be, you know, and her name is wheels with a Z. Yeah. Right. Do they, do, do you think they make a Barbie with like a, um, like, an amputee, like an amputee Barbie, like what do they make? Do they make the limb out of flesh instead of plastic because she's plastic and then it's like flesh? Oh, and her name—it's not Barbie, it's Stumpy. <laughs> 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 like there's Midge, and now there's Stumpina. <laughs> God, I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. Like I didn't know what to expect going into the movie, other than the fact. I mean, I was expecting it to be good because Greta Gerwig directed That's what it. I, said. Right? I like, had a feeling, and let me tell you the. And the most delicious thing for me is when I'm proven right, right? I think that everyone feels that way. So yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the, the thing and I'm like, Margot Robbie, legitimate. Ryan Gosling. I was like, pretty star-studded cast. And I was like, uh-huh. And then there's like Greta Gerwig. And I'm like, now I've only watched two of her films. I saw the new the Little Woman that she did about a year or two ago. It was very good. And then Lady Bird was great. Yeah, you Lady know, Bird, won a bunch of, of course, Oscars. Yeah. I'm like... Greta Gerwig ain't doing some kind of bubblegum. That's what I'm saying, right? And I said, I have a feeling it's going to be deeper. And I was right. I didn't expect it to go as hard as it did. Right. But I was proven right. I I agree because, yeah, you have like, you know, Margot Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling are two very talented actors. And even some of the second and third leads like Simu Liu, you know, and guys like that. Um, all very talented actors, and I was not expecting again because I didn't really look too much into the cast. I was I was surprised to see America Ferrara in there, which like I didn't even recognize her because she's like you know older now, and right. I just didn't. I haven't seen her. Since, it was weird like, seeing you know. her to be. I was like, wait, she's a mom, I right? Exactly. Like, and then you like, and she's like, no, she's mom age. Yeah, she's mom I, age Because I viewed her like because you know she really I like, feel like you know Ugly Betty was like her big thing, and she right. was in Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. It was like early two thousands. It was twenty years ago when she was like twenty. Right. You know what I mean? And she still looks the same though yeah you, it's you so always, wild to yeah me. and you always picture people like that like from the era the era that you know them in you know right right like like i can't imagine watching a movie where helen mirren is like 30 you know like or, or you're like <laughs> like maggie smith is yeah like, like maggie smith has always been old right or, like, exactly. or even like sir ian mckellen he's always been old right and then you have people like jack nicholson like even when they were young they looked old right like it's just, <laughs> oh yeah he really you know? like when you like even in the shining was he, he, yeah. was, he was like 30 yeah and, the, and, like, and like china and he looked like my grandfather exactly Exactly. In Chinatown, he's like in his late 20s, early 30s. And yeah, he Jeez. looks like a dad, like yeah. super dad. Um, but then, yeah, like so, so you, you go into this movie not really knowing what to expect. And it's like very visually stunning. Uh, was um, literally one of my notes was yeah. production design was on point. On point. And it's the... The, like the you, you could tell a lot of it were sets they actually built um, right, as opposed to CGI, of, which I really appreciated. And you, well, as I was saying, you could tell. Like, yeah. I feel like the only CGI they really used was when they were in the car going to the real world, right? The and car all the stuff. shit happening, but like behind them. But I think that was also like the purpose of it, like leaving rea- like fantasy and moving to right. reality. And it was like super like low budget CGI too, right? right. It, it was like, like it was the plastic ship, yeah. Like it was intentionally bad. But, but that was also, I feel like, also. Just like these little nods to like a child's imagination, right? Because if you're imagining Barbie on the high seas, like that's how you might imagine it. Like this very like cardboard looking ship, you know what I mean? Or something to that. Well, speaking of nods to things, did you, did you catch the, somebody sent this to me and I, I would have never picked it up on my own, but the, when she first goes to her girl or whatever, her, like, you know, who she thinks is playing with her, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
the four girls sitting there at the lunch table are supposed to be like the four original Bratz dolls. Oh, okay. Like somebody sent this to me and I was like, Oh, interesting. I was like, I would have never picked up on that on my own, but I remember like when I was, you know, a little bit younger seeing commercials for those dolls and they were like really kind of poised as like the opposite of Barbie. Because Barbie was always very like, you know, like demure, I guess you could right. say. And then Bratz was like, no, they're 13-year-olds and they have skirts showing their ass. Yeah, like, right, like the right. crop top and the baggy jeans and shit. Right. And that's like, why it was very controversial. Yes. Because they're like, this is not maybe what we want to push for women. Yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I have to say, though, like, um, so current. So current, yeah. And it almost feels like, like, I feel like we should have a woman on the podcast for this one um, because it's like <laughs> it's two views from dudes. Um, but yeah, it was so current. That could be the podcast name. What, two two dude. views from dudes. Two views from dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was so current, but um, maybe a little heavy handed in some spots. But also I, I say that with the caveat of saying like, but I don't think anything should have been taken out at the same yeah. time. Like the only the only spot I felt was a little heavy handed was America Ferrara's monologue, because that was the one point. Because because to me the whole thing really read like a satire in a lot of ways. Yes, where it was it was poking fun at um, while also delivering the message, but kind of both sides of the feminist argument, right? Because you had the one side where like Barbie, where she was like, you know, Barbie can be anything you want it to be, right? right. And then the other side, like she's just like she's like, I just want to be like a person you know yes. like because you know like when you think about like arguments you see and shit online there's like the the hyper feminists that are like if you're not you know climbing the corporate ladder and contributing to society like you're you're stuck in the patriarchy but then there are right. a lot of women that are just like what's wrong with just being a mom like i don't want right. to do this you know right. like i don't feel I don't, I, right. I don't feel that like you know me being married to um, my man and loving my child i don't think that makes me less of a woman exactly because it just because i'm not like you said climbing the corporate ladder doesn't yeah. make me anything less. and i think this movie did a really good job at poke, poking fun at both sides of that argument yeah like especially even like all the way down like skipping to the end of the movie even right when like but when like you know the, the plot has kind of resolved and barbie's kind of like well, like she came out of the situation, she's like, "Well, I'm the stereotypical Barbie." She's like, "What? What else do I do except like be pretty and like whatever?" And then her ending was, you know, of course, becoming human or whatever, and then just being in the real world. And then she's like, "I'm here for my gynecologist." Like that was just such a great because like, you were expecting her to be like, you know, oh, I'm here for my job interview. I'm here for like whatever. Right. But and it, she's like, "I'm here to get my cooter checked but out." Then but then it also like, became a PSA of like, yes, women. Even though yeah. she just became human, she needs to go see her gynecologist. I can't, I'm calling my mom out. Love you, Kelly. But like, I was like, mom, was the last time you went to the gyno? Oh, like 20 years ago. I said, oh, well, good. Yeah, like, good if, thing, you had, yeah. if you had uterine cancer, <laughs> it'd take you before you even knew what happened. Right. You know what I mean? But it was also like a PSA of like, keep, you know, check yourself. Yeah, too. do it. Like, yeah. You know, do your, your maintenance, you know, and uh, your preventative maintenance. And that last part of the movie, like one of my favorite things about this movie was how it didn't even attempt to explain the fact that it was just commonly accepted knowledge that Barbie land existed and that like well, yeah, you could travel like, freely between these only, worlds. Like, it was like, one of those, like only the CEOs knew about it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, like yeah. among them. Yeah. 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 That, that's what I, but the Barbies like knew that they were in Barbie land. Like they knew there was another world. Wait, like, I love I that element. I was going to say in the beginning, it was a little off putting. Cause again, like as you know, me and you watch things like, we're a little more hypercritical than the average one, average person. But I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, like I was waiting for someone to like say something about it. And I was like, oh, this is so like odd that they're like, oh, the real world and the girls that play with us. And I was just like, okay, this is interesting. And then I even think like, like you just said, like, oh, I, it's, this is just what's commonly accepted. We don't need this like 10 minute exposition on how, like where Barbie land exists on the map and how physically they actually get to the real world. We don't need any of that. It was like kind of just like the old school suspension of disbelief. And I think again, kind of hearkening back those little tidbits of like, has how it, imagination works. You don't need this like big encompassing story. It's just the Barbies live in their own land and they can come here. Period. That's what I loved about it, because and that that element, like telling the story in that way, allowed them to really focus on all the other parts of the story. Because you don't need to sit there and ask yourselves like, "How is Barbie going to get to the real world?" It's like they know how to. They're just we're there, boom, yeah. there. You know, you got to go through seventeen different things, right? Mm-hmm. And then it just it it and it worked, right? Like the suspension of disbelief 
by just throwing you into it like that really, really worked. Yeah, and it's like almost in a way I would call it like a sci-fi movie in a way too because it's yeah. like it was so out there. Um, but it, that's the thing. It was so kooky and so out there and it worked at the same time. And I really feel like that comes down to the writing. I think yeah. this is some of the best writing I've seen. I think when Oscars roll around, the screenplay is definitely getting a nod. Greta, for sure. Margot Robbie, maybe Ryan. I'm not sure. Because I will say, Ryan, I feel like, gets the best like commitment award. Yeah. For such a wackadoodle role. Just an absolutely bonkers role. And I love how the... Him in particular, right? Like, he's just this... Like, this fucking little lost puppy. He, like, he's an accessory. Yeah. And I think, it's so great. That was so great because him kind of realizing that, oh, like, I only exist to kind of serve you in a way. Yeah. And he's like, I don't... I'm, not, I'm nothing without you. And she's just kind of sitting there like... Oh, uh, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> but, like, again, all these, like, really deep themes. Like, there's all these, like, themes of, like, what is humanity? And, like, I was, like, when I'm sitting there watching, I'm, like, holy shit. Like, it was really hitting me when he was, like, well. And it was it was funny how, like, they did this thing of, like, telling the line between comedy. But actually, like, when he was, like, you know, surfer Ken knows how to surf and golf Ken knows how to golf. I'm just beach. Yeah. Like, beach is all I know. And it's funny. But when you sit there and break it down, he's basically saying, I don't know who I am. I don't know my identity. And like, I feel like a lot of people, especially where like, you know, in our generation of quote unquote millennials, I feel like a lot of people have that feeling again, this is in a very like hyper weird space, right? but still relatable to a lot of people like, Oh, I maybe don't know who I am either. You exactly. Know? Which, which is why I also think that the monologue that America Ferrara gives is so important because a, a lot of the, uh, the tone of that is really just like you don't really have to be anything like you know right. like and also just... kind of pointed of how ridiculous it is to be a woman because she was like yeah you have to support men because if you don't support them you're now unsupportive but if you support them too much you're now clingy right exactly and it's like and like it's one of those things what I loved about her monologue specifically it was everything we've always known right like. Yeah, that is true. Like, if women are too supportive, they're clingy. If they're not supportive enough, they're, like, disinterested. We've all known that. Yeah. But it was so interesting now hearing it in one spot. It was all the stuff that's, like, that people have known in one spot being like, oh, wow. And now when you hear it all next to each other, it's like, fuck. Holy shit. That's yeah. why like, I feel like this, this movie should be required viewing for every woman. If you're a woman, you need to go see this movie. I think it should require reviewing for everybody. I think... I was going to say, I think it's required viewing for men, too, because... To like understand the, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because a lot of the things, you know, like, because they, they, you know, Ken, Ken and the Kens, right, more or less became the antagonist, right, at one point. Um, but, you know, it, it really played a lot to these, you know, this these concepts of, of toxic masculinity and, oh my God, and whatever, yes. right? But it really, in my mind, showed that the this concept of toxic masculinity really is more kind of about, like, the absence of masculinity, right? Because the way they started acting once, you know, he was, like, about the patriarchy Well, because it was, like, in Barbie Land, everything's ruled by women. Right. So there's really no masculinity at all. Exactly. Like Ken is there, but they're not. You know, and and it's just and it just shows how you go so far in the other direction because you don't really have a concept of what it is. It's like we're, we're taking all those like the the horse tropes, you know, and like the kung fu, like all of these ridiculous tropes that are like yeah, things that dudes like, but it's not what actually like defines them. Having them go so far in that direction mm. is like for me was like a really important message because it's like it's like this is not what being a man is. Like fucking drinking drinking beer and watching kung fu movies is like much, fun. But uh, Ken went to the real world watched about 45 minutes of Fox news and said, <laughs> I got it. I know what I'm doing. And came back to Barbie. Land. When he was taking the books out, like the book on like how to create the page or like whatever it was, I was dying. I was like, this is so great. It was like, so like, I would say a true satire. I can't, that's what I was saying for me. I can't was a satire. imagine the last good satire movie. To we'll see. We'll see. Here's, here's my, here's my, my take on that. One of the reasons one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is because to me it really did play as a satire and 
they just don't make movies like that anymore. I agree. I agree. And I think part of it is because, you know, they're, I don't know, maybe they're like afraid of the criticism it might be bring because, you, you know, because when you're making a satire, you have to be You're making fun, of, fun somebody. of something. And right? right now we're not allowed to make fun of anybody. And you're not allowed to make fun of anybody, right? And I think one of the reasons why this movie gets away with it is because a lot of the people they're making fun of are just dudes, right? It's like that's one, you know, class of people that it's fine to make fun of still mm. right you know like italians whatever but like you know you can't you people are so afraid nowadays i feel like to take those kind of risks i want to see more movies that are smartly written satires like right, this because that like, poke fun at these things right, because i feel like there's a way to do it. like if i think satire i think of like scary movie right exactly but then but then watch scary movie one and two now and you're like ooh. Like there's a lot of things that they really could not get away yeah, with. Yeah, you couldn't today. get away with it. Yeah, um, even like even like even a movie as recent as you know, I mean, it's it's a little over ten years old at this point. But like Tropic Thunder, like they couldn't. Oh my god! Like, that yeah. to me is one of the funniest, most brilliantly written comedies like ever. But then Robert Downey Jr. and Blackface. Right, but movie. just by virtue of Robert Downey Jr. and Blackface, you couldn't do that movie nowadays. And it's so crazy that you mentioned Robert Downey Jr. when we're about to talk about right. him and Oppenheimer. Like, and it's just like I'm like. Wow, talk about the range this guy, like how he went from like drug addict, um, you know, like teen star, whatever, yeah, to like Iron Man, yeah, to then Tropic Thunder. Well, I think yeah. Tropic Thunder was pre Iron Man, um, but like doing blackface, which is, ugh, I know, to like probably one of his best acting roles in Iron yeah. but we'll get there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really, and I think that's maybe why Barbie is kind of setting the world on fire in a good way, I think, yes, just because. I think the message is there, but there's been many movies about feminism and like, like I said, we'll talk about Greta Gerwig's Little Woman. Right. You know that was about feminism and in that certain time frame. But this, I feel like, is the first movie to really like. I feel like the first modern satire movie. Yeah, because like, it, because it, it's so much more relatable, right? You yeah. know, in terms of the message of femininity, right? It's so much. But more... even as someone, as a dude myself, like I felt. Like I felt, I still got something out of totally, it. Totally, yeah. Even though I'm, I would say, you know, I'm very feminine, anti men. I mean, for me, men are only good for in the bedroom, and and, <laughs> and if I was straight, my life would be much easier. But you know, this is the cards I was dealt with. Yeah, exactly. So it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I got something out of it too, um, and I just which thought... I think is important because obviously, you know, I'm gay or straight, and I think it's interesting how. Even as men, even two very different ends of certain spectrums, have we still both got something out of it, even though our backgrounds are, you yeah. know, complete one eighties of each other. And I think that's how that's why I'm so happy with the writing that they can reach all these people, yeah, and still get glean things. Which out is of just it. it's the way the world should be. Listen, listen to this podcast for more messages of inclusivity <laughs> and togetherness. This is the way the world should yeah. be. Two two dudes fucking talking about movies. One's gay, one's straight. It's all the same. <laughs> that's literally our new title. That whole sentence is their new title. <laughs> um. Yeah, also, too, I really liked, and this is, like, the part, like, I loved, this is us being nerds, and us, like, toys were a big part. I don't know about you, but oh. I, from what I see on that shelf, <laughs> yeah, toys were a big part of me growing up, and I really loved how the movie really touched on, even though it was just about Barbie, really touched on, like, how important toys can be to someone's growing up, to someone's, like, development. It sounds, like, a little corny, but like it's true, like my so true. as someone, I mean, I was an only child growing up, so my toys were like a big deal for me, and so I really loved how you know, especially America Ferrera is like really looking at Barbie and it meant something to her, and then like with her daughter, like her daughter really didn't like it, and she was like, but I'm still thinking about it because it was so important to me growing up, yep. and then she starts drawing the different Barbies, like existential crisis Barbie, and yes. but like but I, but it was always still with her, and I really loved that little touch on how toys are yes they're nostalgic but how they how they're more than i mean i feel like toys for kids now are just toys when we were growing up toys were more than just toys yeah, bro, i'll go play with some fucking action figures right now i love my toys like they're like i remember <laughs> i used to be really big in the beyblade 
And I remember like every time I go, I'm like, Mom, please, 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 please. And the, each one was only $5. So my mom yeah. was like, okay, fine. And I ended up having like 24 Beyblades at one point. And I would do tournament brackets. Oh, yeah. With each one. And I would be in there for hours. And my mom would walk by. And she goes, you're still doing that? And like, Mom, we're at final two. It's very important. Yeah. Oh, and dude, my mom's yeah. like, and my mom, I would look, talk about her now. And she goes, you were like there for hours. And you were in it. No TV, you know, I didn't know PlayStation didn't exist. And you were just using your imagination and having fun. Like kids don't I don't feel like dude, one of the reasons I don't feel like kids play with toys the same way. Yeah, no, one of the one of the reasons I love to write is because all of my action figures when I was when I was growing up, I would never I would never play with them in the context of an already established story. But yeah, it might have been a Power Ranger, but they were not a Power Ranger in your in this world that you were building in your head yeah and like well a, a lot of times i would actually have the same characters but it wouldn't be you know like they're not I writing would, they're not fighting rita right yeah. exactly like you know like my power rangers would be like fight like the new monster was a predator or something right, exactly. right? you know or like spider-man was teaming up with like superman right you know like i was Which writing the all early these that's new, and that's a fan fiction. yeah exactly yeah. like early fanfic shit and it was like fun like i never had like i never played through the dark Phoenix saga, like with my toys, you know, like mm -hmm. it was always something new that I created myself. Um, but, uh, we also had to talk quickly about, uh, I'm sorry. So again, like I said, I didn't really look too much into the casting of the movie beyond. Right. Right. The, right. So I did not realize that Will Ferrell was in this movie. Oh my, Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so when he showed up, you were like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> such a fucking delight to see him in this movie because he was like classic Will Ferrell. Yes. Just like that goofy, just derpy idiot who you absolutely love, who could still tell good jokes. And like, he was just like the, the when they got the rollerblades on, it's like rollerblades, they're doing rollerblades. They're getting rollerblades, right? And like they're all, and he always has the army of dudes in suits behind he, him. Right. They, oh, played, so perfect. And as I know you work in corporate America and you know, so do I to a certain extent really played that the person at the top is so out of touch with what the product Bro. actually is. So for someone like me, I like as a nurse, like the big thing in nursing is hospital administrators who are never, who have never even been in patient care, but somehow run a hospital. They've never taken care of a patient. And you're going to tell me how to take care of a patient. Dude. You've never taken even a blood pressure in your life, but that's good because he was like, Oh, this is how Barbie and Ken are supposed to be. But he is, Again, he was he played that really like out of touch, which again, I'm gonna talk about relatable. We've all had that. Oh, the boss being like saying something like that doesn't even exist. Doesn't make sense for the job. Dude. Oh, because you've never done my job. Every CEO I've worked for has no fucking clue like what's happened. Well, that's not true. One my, at American Express, but every other CEO I've worked had no fucking clue. Like so, and, like, especially that scene when she was like. Oh, so the so-and-so position is a woman too, right? And he's like, oh, no, that's a man also. That's a man also. Like, all the high-level positions were men. Like, even mm -hmm. that in itself was hilarious, but also, like, a bit of a message too, right? Um, and then Michael Sarah too, like... like the, like the Alan, shit on him the whole movie. But then it. they redeemed him. Like, the Alan joke was great to begin with, but then when they're trying to escape, and, like, all of a sudden, he's just like, I got this, and he starts Jackie Channing all the fucking Kens. Like... He just starts beating their asses. I was like, yo, like that was just such an awesome fucking moment because like, because he's Michael Sarah, right? Like even though he's, you know, like our age now, he's still like this torpy looking dude. He right? still looks 12. Years he old. still looks like he's 12. Right. And like just no muscle definition. Like fine, whatever. That's who he is. So to have him like show up and he just starts beating up all these like buff dudes, these buff Ken dolls. I was mm -hmm. dying. It was exactly. like my favorite part of the movie because it was so out of left field. Right? Oh, yeah, Cause exactly. like most of the action up until, that point like this is before the big ken fight scene right like there wasn't a lot of action up until that point all of a sudden he just starts cracking skulls i was like awesome <laughs> also like another little thing i noticed and it was actually in the credits every woman in the movie who's barbie is named barbie and you watch the credits yeah it says barbie margaret and the kens Bar too no and then it says barbie Issa Rae. you know all this stuff if you look at the kens the kens are ken one ken two ken oh three. i didn't notice that yeah so ken is ryan gosling ken one is simu Ken, I love that. So all the Kens, it, it, it's, it's again just like little things of like their Barbie is their own individual. Yep. And Kens are just the accessory. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. See, with how ridiculous they made this movie, I I, I really want them to just like because obviously the movie is successful. It's making yes. all the money at the box office. Love that for them. Um, I want them to make like another one. A really but like either, but I want them to I want them to like lean 
even more into the absurdity of this like Barbie land or whatever and give me like either give me either like a really ridiculous prequel that plays against satire on like the creation of Barbie land, right? Make right. it like a little dark. Um or yeah, give me like a sequel where it's like, you know, Barbie ver- Barbie and Ken versus like whatever, you know, like the Bratz dolls, or, like whatever well, the it's so funny you, know, you say <laughs> the that the competition be- is. No, but it's so funny you say that because a story I just read and this kind of like wraps us up uh, and this end is Mattel, they ain't no slouch cuz then they just announced 12 projects for their Stop. they want like i'm talking like an uno movie they want to make their own oh, universe give me the mattel avengers please that's give what me i'm the saying mattel avengers mattel pretty much said we want to make our own cinematic universe based off of our things because it showed that barbie could do it and they've announced i think like 12 something projects and if they do well they have all these other games like mousetrap and like all this like all these things of like their oh board God. games are toys making a movie out of it and i think also like with mario too showed that like there's nostalgia there and people will go see it um you know what i mean so i think give me give me a televerse give me like give me a hard r rated um you know another one fine twist my arm we'll talk about alcohol i was gonna say can we can we talk about the irony of of um the fact, uh, that the fact that Melissa are. is serving the two of us while we're talking about Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's bartender Barbie, right? though. And can I have a new ice cube, babe? Love you. <laughs> yeah, no, but Metelliverse, I'm, I'm really interested. I was going to say, give me, give me a hard R... Uh, uh, Uno game where like a, it's about a people like a, like playing Uno and the game gets like really heated. No, no, and, like, no. Or know, it's like, a horror, like a heart. Yeah, and then Uno, so it's like, like it's like reverse and skip, and you like fall through the floor and right. you come back when it's your. It's well, the, and like the the big twist at the end is like he throws the reverse card out, and that's like what saves him and turns it around. You're like, like oh, there's one reverse card left. No, yeah, like, very much like <laughs> like well, as I'm wearing my Jumanji, Jumanji shirt, <laughs> like you know, what I mean how like it's the final roll and you see like the dice falling and it hits the six and he's like Jumanji. Uh, all right well here's what i'm gonna do now i'm I'm... really excited to see like i really don't want them to do a sequel because i think it should stand alone and i think it's great but i'm also interested to see like where this like does it become a metalverse or whatever like i'm really interested to see kind of what kind of new genre like maybe like mattel likes the satire i was like yeah let's make a uno movie but let's make it a satire in some way on you know that's what i'm excited for i love Especially if like movies have been a little stale for a little minute, and, like yep. you're waiting for something new and original, and now we finally got something new and original, which I really appreciate. Agreed. So I have changed the, uh, I've changed the light color in the studio to be more of like a, what I'm, I'm going to call this uh, atomic bomb yellow Jesus to illustrate Christ us. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Um, to illustrate us uh, slowly. We moved talking to Oppenheimer now. I'm, al- I'm allowed to be a denigrating male now. <laughs> Womanizing. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> Which, like, again, unintentionally hilarious. Just the fact that Barbie was so rooted in this satire of feminism. And then Oppenheimer just fully leans into the fact that he's this womanizing, drinking, smoking dickhead yes. who basically destroyed the world. Like, yes. Well, I, I, so I have to preface this. I didn't really like the movie, but I say that because historical fiction and biographies are my bottom two. If I had to rank the kind of genre movies I like, the bottom two would be those two. Yeah, and and, it ha- and if of course it was both. Right, and so let's let's talk about that really quickly because I have an opinion on that as well. Historical fiction, I am less. Historical fiction ranks a little bit higher for me, only because wait, fiction means not real though, right? Right. But historical, so I'm, so think about like Saving Private Ryan, for example. Oh, that, historical okay. fiction. It's in the context so this, of World War II, but obviously all these fucking characters in these scenarios didn't happen. But it's against the backdrop. Oh, so then of Oppenheimer real, would be considered not fiction. Though. Yeah, Oppenheimer is more of a biopic. Oh, okay, yeah, so, right. But so I, I just don't like historical shit. Yeah. Also, too, my thing is, is like, listen, I'm not denying that World War II was a very horrific thing. Right. Yeah. But why? 
do we have three movies a year about it? Other things have happened in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of like, you know, like the 1917. You had all all the... 1917? That was World War One. Yeah, I'm just like, but there's all these... Like, I think Dunkirk was World War Two. Dunkirk was World War Two. yeah. And I'm just like, I get it. But, like, there's been... set Like, it's there's been 17,000 movies about World War Two. I think we understand what happened in yeah. it. Like... See that's Jesus why I Christ, like see know. that's why I like I like historical fiction more than biopics because historical fiction gives you more flexibility, right? So you can tell because right, you can you can you can tell us liberty, right? So, which I think ni- like nineteen seventeen, even though there was takes that liberty, was, yeah. yeah, because there was like there was really no story of like like that guy that yeah. had to go to the front lines to save his brother. It was just more of a backdrop. But yeah. personally, I am getting pretty fucking sick of biopics because we are saturated with biopics right now and some of them have been really good right like you know you think about like Bohemian Rhapsody right and uh, Oppenheimer you know like um, like Rocket Man right like some of them have been yeah some of them have been really good but quite honestly like Hollywood needs to to fucking shift like people 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 are complaining about too many superhero movies no bro there are too many fucking biopics you know what it is I feel like because it's easy because it's easy no it's easy because like for example Bohemian Rhapsody I didn't see it now I like Queen. Yeah, I like Freddie Mercury. But what are you going to tell me in the movie that I already don't know? Well, that's what I'm saying. Because you you don't need to like you you only need the the reason why Hollywood's doing a lot of biopics, at least in my opinion, right, is that you only need the most average fucking writer to write these movies because you because they don't have to come. You, there's no creative, right? As long as you stay within the context of what actually happened and just write a few clever fucking lines to illustrate those yeah. scenes that actually happened and cast somebody relatively popular and get a halfway decent director, boom. Money yeah. in the I bank, mean, right? It's, it's an Elvis easy movie. formula. Yeah, like, I know. I've seen so many documentaries on Elvis. Yeah. I read the synopsis for Elvis just to be like, oh, and I'm like, oh, right, everything I already know. But the reason why I like Oppenheimer is because while it is a biopic, it um, it's not done like a standard, very formulaic. Yeah, it biopic, was, the time right? jumps like, and stuff at least right. made it a little the bit time more jumps and and like listen, like this fucking cast, bro. Like it's. I mean, Josh Peck. Yeah. (laughs) Josh Peck. (laughs) Nolan has a really good way of getting the best out of his actors. I mean, you've got a stacked cast to begin with, Mm -hmm. but he's got a very good way. I mean, Cillian Murphy, and like you said, Robert Downey Jr. was just uh, Also, Nolan has such a name that he can pretty much call anyone up and say, I want you, and you... Don't say no. Yeah, I mean, he got Rami, he got Rami Malek to for, be in this for movie. For six minutes. Yeah, to, to do like literally nothing, to be a dweeb in the two scenes but that he was in. he was a linchpin. And, and then, lot. right, and then yeah. all of a sudden, because I, I, I remember like when I was watching this and I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, He's got to he's got to do something else, right? Like he's not just because he shows extra. up at the college real quick, and then it's like whatever, and then he shows yeah, up and you're at, like, Holy shit, at that Malik. hearing, and he was like, "Oh, let me tell you." Yeah, he shit. then he like dropped like the metaphorical bomb on that hearing, and I was like, "Oh, okay," like because like you don't cast a guy like him at this point to just do fucking nothing, right? Um, and honestly, I gotta be surprised who who played Albert Einstein in the movie. Some random because he I don't was the one. Either. He was the one actor. I was like, I really expected that to be like a, a thing, and like a cameo, like, right? Like a big name, right? And I was like, oh, it's just a fucking dude. Like, I, I, I was very surprised. But you that, know what's like, so wasn't... interesting? I feel like the first. I feel like this is the first time that we've seen like an like literally Albert Einstein like in a movie. Like you know what I mean? Like maybe there's more. I don't know it off the top of my head. But. So okay, oh wait. So I'm glad you mentioned this because I am going to. Hang on. There is a movie. It is a. It was a. Walter Matthau played okay. Albert Einstein in, in a biopic. No, in a romantic comedy, um, in the nineties. Hang on. I, I, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna remember the name of it. Holy um, shit. Walter Matthau. Yes, it was like a romantic comedy. Uh, buh, 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 buh. IQ 94 IQ Meg Ryan Tim Robbins fucking of course Meg Ryan it's actually like so again I I saw it like when I was younger so I don't really remember it, it's probably terrible but I remember laughing when I was I thought Walter Matthau was really funny like okay. I always enjoyed Walter Matt like grumpy old man right like in Jack with him and Jack Lemon like I always enjoyed those movies so that's why I remember watching this yeah he plays Albert Einstein in a romantic comedy called IQ um, like Tim Robbins is like a really smart guy also. And there's like this little, and like Meg Ryan is Albert's daughter and there's a whole, you know, fucking thing. Okay. Um, again, it could be the worst movie ever. I remember it fondly, but again, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, so right now I want to look and see cause I'm curious to, as to who 
was fucking oh in Oppenheimer. Yeah, who played uh, Albert Einstein? Oppenheimer. Yeah, because I don't I don't think he was in any. I think he was a nobody. Yeah, I think um, so too. So now, question: How did you feel about the? <laughs> sounds like what I say on the weekend. How did you feel about the length? About the what? The length. It was a little too long. Thank you. But honestly, the only the things that were too long about it were some of the montage type stuff. There was probably a solid like 30 minutes that could have been cut of montage, like of just montages. You could have cut out the majority of those montages, saved yourself a solid 30 minutes and the movie still would have been just as good. Yeah. In my opinion. Um yeah, cuz it's Cause some I, of the montages took me out of it. Cuz I remember from the at the very beginning, I remember being like Oh fuck! If this is what the whole movie is going to be, I'm going to be very upset because there was that montage early on, and yeah, I was I like, tried, I was like, I don't to... like this. Yeah, it was weird because I I checked my phone a lot during the movie because I was bored, <laughs> um, and so like the first hour was very much like him just making a name for himself at the college. Then the second hour was like, oh okay, we like you, make this bomb. And then the third hour was all like the hearing, his hearing, Robert Downey Jr.'s hearing, or Strauss, right. whatever. Um, so it was very much like, in, I feel like, in three acts. And for me, the third act was the strongest because that's when everything kind of came together. Um, and you realize just that they all just fucked him over. Why? Yeah. They, that's the only point. They didn't really do a good job at, like, explaining, like, why they all wanted to fuck him over. I don't think what he did was horrible. Like, the whole security clearance thing. Well, they, they made it sound like it was just, which is why I, I, I really enjoyed Like, I've never really, I can't remember the last time I saw... Robert Downey Jr. is a bad guy. Maybe that maybe that movie U.S. Marshals with Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Um, but yeah, you like that deep cut. Um, That's a deep but cut. the uh, uh, that 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 was when he was like cocaine. Robert Downey Jr. too. Um, but I it, to me, I think a lot of it was just like Robert Downey. It was like political. Robert Downey Jr. was like he's like he made me look bad in politics. But, in, but that's in what, like that's I think that's like, what I get. I'm like so because. 30, 20 years prior yeah. to this, he made you look a little dumb, Just but obviously ass. didn't affect your career because you're about to be, go to the cabinet. And then that, I'm like, that was the linchpin. He's like, I'm upset. Well, I think, I like, think, I think so that that's the way they played it, but right. if you, it seems so childish, but he was also talking about the atomic energy commission type stuff too, uh, where yeah, yeah. like, you know, he was, it sounded again, mostly political, right? Where, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character Strauss or Strauss, or he said his fucking name, um, was trying to get something passed, you know, with the AEC, and people respected Oppenheimer's opinion more than that of other scientists or obviously any politician, mm-hmm. and he kind of swayed that opinion. I think so. They they did it, it, the way it was portrayed. He certainly seemed to be more upset about the egg on his face, but I think it was also the fact that his little AEC, uh, uh, Atomic Energy Commission thing was floundering a little bit because of Oppenheimer's recommendations because he was so well respected. Gotcha. Okay. But it was just so well done. I like I said, him being the bad guy was just at the end there was like so great. Yeah, it was it was uh, the acting, I definitely think multiple acting awards coming from this. Definitely. Even Probably. the side characters, like everybody uh like the lawyer the side characters of like Florence Pugh's tits. Well, I mean, okay, so listen, listen, <laughs> I have I have like a weird like fucking Sanskrit fetish now after watching oh that movie. God. Like I mean, uh, I will say she had a nice rack. <laughs> I just felt like it was so like I don't know, like I guess this is going back to Barbie, but like after this movie, I like look at her differently and I'm like, I shut in, but it just, you know what it is? Like, I don't mind nudity in films. Obviously I just felt like it was unnecessary. Like I, like I have them fuck all night, but like her sitting there and just being naked in the chair. And I'm like, what, what's the purpose of that? And then yet we don't even see an ass shot from fucking Oppenheimer. So it just felt a little, it was a little one sided, a little one sided, a little expletive. uh, See, I liked, I like the scene where they're both sitting naked in the chair, but it would have been a little bit more balanced. Yeah, they at least gave you like if an least, ass shot, or, like, or even or like, a dick shot. Yeah, just give great. a dick shot. This is yeah, so it just felt very much cares. like, oh, we're yeah. not going to show anything of him, but yeah, she's here in full display. Right. It just felt because I thought I thought that that scene, like you know, the sex scene was like a sex scene. It's like every fucking sex scene in every movie ever. But I did actually, it was very like boudoir kind of. Like I really liked that that scene. But again, it would have been a little bit more balanced if you just got like at least a ball shot or like an ass shot. Of Cillian Murphy, right? Yeah. Like I thought, her character was so interesting too. Even I, for the little amount of time she, I was wanted there, more of her character too. I agree because she played this like, I mean, she was needy and clingy, obviously mentally ill, um, but she played it in a way where 
it it didn't come across like heavy handed. Like you were like, wow, she really needs some help. Yeah, like she really, she really needs. And some then help, like yeah. the scene where she's like killing herself, like when, where she like was like purposely trying to keep herself under the water. It was very like of all the ways to go. Like yeah. holy lord, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I like my women with problems, but goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Emily Blunt though. The fuck? Yes, uh, talk fu- about also got problems, right? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like she was, she was like, like we're gonna send our kid away. Yeah. But like, but then also like she had her issues, but she's like, I'm standing here with him. The f- oh my god, that scene. So, my her. favorite movie. The they're in the fucking was at the Oval Office, and I, it was Heller or whatever, right? And yeah. he goes to shake her hand, girl. That look. Uh, oh my god, it was so good. Well, because it's true, he was trying to be like, "Oh no, hard feelings." He's like, "Fuck he's you, like, go bro. fuck yourself." And then like, she, you fucked us over. And when she testifies for him in that little hearing too, like when when he was like, "Who's like, do you understand the question?" She was like, "Yes, I understand." Like she was just so much smarter than him, and it was like such a great like I could have watched that scene for fifteen minutes. Like it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking it up too just to kind of see like what happens after. Yeah, apparently they had a daughter. They kind of said like, "Oh, we have two kids," but they kind of gleaned over they it. Gleaned over the they daughter. More yeah. about just the son because I was the firstborn. Right. Apparently, his daughter like hung herself. Like, oh shit! Really? Yeah. Fuck. And then the house that he had, um, I feel like it's in some kind of Caribbean area or whatever. Yeah. Um, like got like ransacked, and now there's just like a memorial there. Oh, shit. It's like really sad. Like, yeah. the, like I was like, what's happened since? Like, obviously he's died, but uh, yeah, with what's going on in his life, um, yeah. Is it that? Oh, no. So the one thing I thought was interesting, because anything we have, there's been a lot of like controversy of like, did we need this movie? You know, like, right. especially if I'm like a lot of just the Japanese people in general and the Japanese Americans and be like, oh, yeah, make a bunch of money off of, you know, compl- one of the most horrendous things you've done to another people. Like, it's insane. I know. It's, it's, it's always weird when I think about like World War Two specifically because especially especially in the modern day Japan and America are so intertwined not just from a government perspective but like I mean fucking you see all the Dragon Ball Z shit and like you know manga you know, manga shit that like we have like like the, the way the cultures are like the way bands tour in Japan and vice versa like mm-hmm. it's just it's interesting to think that just like yeah like some of our grandparents who were in World War Two? Like, yeah. are still alive? Like, exactly. My, like, my grandfather primarily fought in the Pacific. Like he's dead now, but he primarily fought in the Pacific. Like, oh, wow. he, like he was one of the people that was that would have been part of the invasion of Japan had they not dropped the atomic bomb. You know, so it's yeah. like it's like weird to think about. It's like I might not be here if we didn't drop the atomic bomb. You know, yeah. like not that that justifies anything, but it's like it's a fucking weird. And and that, and that was my, honestly my favorite part. My favorite line of the movie was that, or the the whole thing, right? So I enjoyed how the movie did not like sensationalize it. Right, right? Like we it, didn't have to see the bomb drop yeah. on Japan. We and it knew really, what would happen, and it made you feel the consequences. Like that scene where they're in there with whoever James Ramar's character was, they never specify who he is, right? Like some high powered government person, right? Where they're talking about where they're going to bomb, right? Oh, and yes. having that conversation, right? Like like that was really impactful and i loved at the end like the very last line of the movie when he was like they had the conversation with albert einstein when he's like you know you know we thought by dropping the bomb we might ignite the atmosphere and destroy the world and he's like well i think we kind of did even if we didn't ignite the atmosphere i think we did kind of destroy the world because they really talk about the themes of like you know just by way of having because there's two schools of thought on it right right there's there's the the idiot school of thought where it's like oh the more weapons you have the more you're deterring people from starting a war and then there's the smart school of thought it's like no the more if you go down that path everybody else is going to go down that right, path which then is you why have the arms was, race right which is why he was so against the right. hydrogen bomb yeah and he's like I'm not going to support it because we don't need it if we have the fucking atomic bomb that's all we need yeah, we don't we need. need another one like yeah. we got what we need yep um. So there, there was that, and I, I mean, it was interesting. They did portray him being guilty about it, but I, I don't know. Not, not that the acting was good, but I'm saying it wasn't good. But like, I, like, yeah, he was quote unquote guilty. But I'm like, but he knew what he was doing. Like, you, yeah. you made an atomic bomb, and then they, it killed over two hundred thousand people, and you're like, oh my god, it killed all these people, bro. What the hell did like did. You thought they were like not gonna drop it? Like, well, that's one of the reasons really why odd. I liked Robert. Downey. I think Robert Downey Jr.'s character might have been my favorite 
in the movie because he has that bit at the end where he explains, you know, where he's like, he's like, you know, you know, think fucking Oppenheimer is like all of a sudden this wonderful um, moral person. He's like, no, like this motherfucker was just doing it like for the fame. He had to be like number one, right? Like, mm-hmm. like 200,000 people like be damned. He would have done it anyway. He just needed to be the best, you know, like the fucking exactly. smartest guy. And he was right. Like he was right about that in, in, the, in the context of the movie, at least, right? He was right about that. And that's one of the things I loved about the complexity of like all the characters really were all kind of in that you know the only person who really seemed to like enjoy it was the the russian guy it was a teller who's the russian guy um who didn't shake his hand she didn't shake his hand at the end the russian oh guy. yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah i forget the character's name but like like he was the only one that like seemed to enjoy doing it and he's like yeah let's build a bigger bomb right mm-hmm. and, uh, relax buddy. and i will say it was interesting watching this movie because i've been to japan yeah and i went to you know uh like hiroshima and you know Nagasaki had been been to those yeah. places and seeing what it looks like on the other end of things because like you can watch this movie and you get obviously the very American side of things right. and then going to these other places and then seeing like the Japan side of things is so interesting and to know that first of all they love Obama in Japan and it's like oh why because you know they had Truman in this movie. Obama was the first sitting president to visit Japan since dropping the bomb. Really? I did not know that. That's why they love him. Is that really? Yes. So you see where Truman... That's so fucking stupid. You saw where Truman was and what year that was. Yeah. It took until Obama to go there. And they had this huge... Clinton, neither the Bushes, Reagan, none of them? What the? That not mean, doesn't mean they never visit, but like this. No, vi- in the capacity of a president. Right, you know, but like, so, like Obama came, was with the prime minister yeah. of Japan. They put a wreath at the, the ever burning flame at Hiroshima to the point that in the Hiroshima Museum, there's a part that they built of the museum that's just dedicated to Obama's visit because they, <laughs> they, it was so important to them that he sh- did that. Cause he, you know what I mean? Cause he was, yeah, like, of course. Cause basically, and he like, I think he did a speech and I don't remember everything, but he pretty much was like, listen, what we did, we fucked up on that. Yeah, I'm be honest with y'all. Um, and then just owning it. I mean, nothing Obama can fucking do about it. Um, but like he was like the first sitting president since the bombing, yeah. and at the, and well, and that's it's one of the interesting just kind of seeing what it looks like on yeah. the Japan side since this was so American centered. And that whole thing is always one of the most interesting aspects of the war to me because I, I love World War Two stuff, right? And it's like, like when it comes to the like when it comes to the Nazis, right? Like, like you had to beat them into submission because of where Germany was in terms of, you know, geographically speaking, right? And yeah. the way they had taken over neighboring countries and whatnot, like, like you had to beat them into submission. So right. that's why they were originally designed the bomb. Japan though, right, was, yeah, they were like fucking with China a lot, you know, like, but they, but at that point in the war, like they didn't really have any chance of winning really at that point. And they're, there really wasn't a need to even do the invasion. They were just refusing to surrender. So like, it's, it's a point where it's like, well, why couldn't we have just been like, let's just like, let's just talk. Well, I feel like, like, like they you don't did, need to surrender. Like let's just call it a draw. Yeah, But I'm I feel like, like they know? did that because Japan's an Island. So you can kind of quote unquote test the atomic bomb without true, yeah. versus if they dropped it on Germany, right? Like, a landlocked country. Well, exactly. Like, holy shit. What would have happened? Yeah. And I feel like they're like, Ugh, we don't want to go there. But I'm just saying too, is like the, the thing is like that they, their, their whole thing was that Japan would never surrender, which was true. Like, like they were a stubborn fucking bunch back in the day. Like they yeah. would not surrender. They would have literally fought to the last child if they had to. And that's why the America didn't want to do the invasion of the Island because that's basically where they had backed them in into is the island so just it always makes me wonder as like i'm obviously oversimplifying it but like let's we just call it a draw and like move on like like you're not like we, yeah. we like we, we've crippled your shit so yeah, there's no way you're making it across you know the pacific to come invade america so like just just hang out you know like just, just yeah. chill so it's just yeah, it's an interesting thing when it comes to that sort of thing but yeah you know. just war in general like just like i said like and it was one uh, story i read about Oppenheimer, which i thought was interesting that they kind of gleaned over in the movie was los alamos yes they made it seem like this desolate wasteland that no one lived 50 miles from it and one of the stories i read was like my family lived like 
10 miles from it. And they give us, they gave us less than a day to evacuate. Oh yeah. And it wasn't even like, Oh, just leave because of radiation. Like, Oh, we don't know if your home's still going to stand, but we don't give a fuck. No, we're we're dropping this. Like it wasn't a fake bomb. We're dropping this test bomb. And then whatever fucking happens, happens. And I was like, Oh, that was interesting how they like made it, try to make him like so guilty to try to like make it Oppenheimer. This like, you know, this uh, sympathetic character. Right. But then gleam over all the migrants uh, and that, like, homes you destroyed. Yeah, now what what happened at Los Alamos was 100% just typical government bullshit. They used a lot of, like, eminent domain to clear those people out of there. Right. It's not like they gave them money for new houses. No, they just said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, national security, blah blah blah. Which is maybe why I don't like biopics because I there's the what the biopic wants to put out and then the real shit. Well, they always yeah, and it's just always like we're we're never we never do anything nice. Yeah, because if you're if you're gonna make (laughs) if you're gonna make which honestly you know the one biopic that I actually haven't seen that I kind of want to because so many people hated it, which made me think that it was probably more on the truthful side was the. Uh, the Marilyn Monroe one. Um, what was it called? Blonde. Blonde? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like, oh, yeah, like so many Netflix. people hated it, right? Which makes me think that it was probably a little bit more truthful than. Oh, and didn't paint her as such a as like a tragic character as people make her out to be. Yeah, like exactly. Like I'm not really, again. I don't really know which way, one way or the other. But I just know a lot of people didn't like it. Which makes me think that, like, oh, maybe it was a little bit more true to, you know, because she had a pretty fucked up life, but, like, you know, but she was also kind right, of a everyone, fucked up person. Right, like, but not, yeah, and I think that's the interesting part with biopics is, like, yeah, you want them to be, like, quote, unquote, the hero of the story, but also if they're not a hero, then don't yeah, make them a Which is why, like I said, like, I'm, I'm sick of biopics. Like, unless you're going to make me a biopic, like, did you ever see The Dirt, by the one about Motley Crue? No, but it, was that on so HBO? It was a Netflix one. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, but it was like, like it was a comedy mostly, right? There was like very little seriousness to it, right? right. And it was it was largely accurate. They changed the way they changed the timeline of of some things, you know, to play towards the movie. But it was mostly a comedy because Motley Crue's a, a bunch of fucking clowns, right? Exactly. Like you know, that's the kind of biopic that I'll watch because it was like you know, it was less about the the truthfulness of it and more just about the spectacle that was the band, you know, like snorting lines of ant and piss with fucking Ozzy Osbourne mm. right in the 80s <laughs> like it was great um, but like yeah when they try to go I mean like again the uh, if in anybody else's hands other than a guy like Christopher Nolan Oppenheimer is probably not a good movie I agree right like it's probably not going to be good because it's because part of the reason again why it's good is because like you said it's told in that kind of interconnected three act format where they're jumping between times right even so much to illustrate you know, here's the black and white like whatever like and it was and it all connects together at the end there aren't a lot of directors that can do that kind of uh, writing and storytelling because he wrote the script too right um so like in in and few other people are the Nolan's hands right, and obviously the cast is a big deal too because the movie was just exceptionally acted. But yes. Oppenheimer is probably not a good movie in a lot of other contexts. Yeah, um, and I did I think one of my favorite parts about the movie, little thing, was aside from Florence Pugh, um, <laughs> was the when they actually tested the bomb. Right, I liked how they made it accurate in terms of how sound travels right because they were so far away Mm -hmm. and the majority of that scene of the explosion right was silent and then when it got to the time when the sound would actually hit where they were like two miles three miles back whatever the hell it was then you heard like the boom and everything was like shaking like i just thought that was cool because like i was i mean they they definitely i read something nolan obviously nolan is not a huge fan of CG, so they try to do as much practical yes. as possible. Yeah, that was a real ass explosion, and then yeah. uh, but also like doing the research and being like, what kind of the uh, the explosion? What would it do? What exactly. would it look like? Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's very which which is one of the reasons why he makes good movies because he takes the time to do that kind of stuff. Like like in, like in the Dark Knight, right? When they're like, oh, how'd they flip the truck? Well, he flipped the truck. Like, yeah, he took exactly. the fucking truck and he flipped it. Like you know, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I mean, I'll never watch it again. It's fine. It was definitely not way too long to watch again. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it, it deserves <laughs> it deserves the credit that it's getting. I'm glad I saw it. Um, like I said, exceptionally well acted. Uh, Florence Pugh. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed Barbie much better. But uh, yeah, I think it was, the Barbenheimer movement was very interesting. But justifiably, Barbie's gotten more money. 
Yes. Oh, definitely for sure. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting award season this year. Um, well, I think that's pretty much all we got on uh, on these two. Yeah. Um, like I said, we've got uh, we've got a lot of other movies coming up. So other movies we've seen this summer coming up. Let's see. We've got uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse or Into the Spider no, Across the Spider Verse Part One. Uh, John Wick Four, Transformers, Little Mermaid, Evil Dead, Super Mario Bros. Fast. 10 Fast X, whatever the first one was, right? Um, and uh, which we will be seeing soon because it just got released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, a lot more to come, lots of fucking great mm. stuff for you guys. Yes, and then uh, hopefully we'll come up with a new name. Yeah, new name soon. for the podcast. Um, well, I'm Matt. I'm Will. And this has is been a podcast. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.